Welcome to Right on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Welcome back to Right on Track. I am so excited to have Alex Garingas joining me today. Hi, Alex. Hi, Demi. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so so much to be on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We have lots to chat about. You've had an incredible career so far, so I'm super excited to get into everything. But before we get into specifics, can you share with the listeners a little about yourself and how you got started in music? Well, um, <clears throat> I'm an actor turned theater director turned, uh, turned songwriter turned composer. Um, I had uh, a friend who came to me in my acting days and said, hey, do you want to write a hit? And I was like, how do you do that? Um, he said, you're an actor, you can write lyrics. So I started to write some lyrics. Um, we did a rap song, hired a singer, um, sent it to a publisher, a cold called uh, a record label. And they actually wanted to sign us. And um, it was up to date, my biggest flop of my career. <laughs> so, um, uh, but a producer discovered the song, which we did. And he said, hey, you're not great maybe as an, uh, as an act or, you know, the voices are not right or whatever he felt. But uh, the writing and the producing is great. And uh, do you want to jump on a project with me? And this project was in Germany, uh, became like one of the biggest hip-hop projects up to date. Um, the very first song we released was my first top 10 hit. The second song I ever did was um, my first number one hit, was, which was like the first uh, um, title song of, of the first Big Brother episodes in, in Germany. And from there, I, I had up to date uh, 16 number one hits in Germany and then... Uh, I wrote a couple of songs in LA, and one of them was about my ex-girlfriend, which is called Dark Side, and Kelly Clarkson recorded it, and which got me a Grammy. And my wife, uh, you know, said to me, "If somebody can make it in LA, then it's you, babe." So we moved to LA with our little kids, and uh, here I am. <laughs> That's fabulous. I'm so happy you mentioned Dark Side because I definitely want to chat more about that. So you co-wrote that with Buzzfeed. So can you share the co-writing experience for this song? Yeah, I mean, um, we were, um, this was actually the first day when we ever met. Um, he picked me up in a Starbucks and we went to his house and we started to write a song. Like, you know, it's like one of these typical setup sessions. We had the same publisher. Um, I was a, you know, pretty successful guy in Germany. He was already pretty successful here. So we started um, just to write, just to, you know, taking a guitar, taking a piano and starting to produce it in the moment we were writing but the song we were writing we were both very unhappy with it was uh it was a kind of a mediocre song so we had like a um um lunch break <laughs> and <laughs> ate some pizza and let, ate, ate some pizza together and um and, and I, I became like a little bit of a serious look look on my face and he asked me like what are you thinking about right now and I was like you know I was I'm thinking about my ex-girlfriend who told me on the very first day that I met that she has a dark side and that I should be careful because she possibly could hurt me wow and, I, and that, in that moment in that moment Busby 
freaked completely out and said, oh my God, what a great title. He ran to the piano and started to hammer in the first chords of the song and was singing like, there's a place that I know. He was just like literally singing it from the heart. And and um, yeah, that that's how we, we, we just literally wrote the song in like one and a half hours or so. And we canceled our session on the next day, which we were scheduled to do just because we thought we had something really great and we spent the time together recording the song properly, getting the right demo singer for it and making, you know, out of an idea, a record. That's incredible. So I'm super happy that Kelly Clarkson ended up recording it. And it's super interesting because I was listening to her track by track for her album. And she actually mentioned that that song almost didn't make the album, which is super interesting that it almost didn't make the project and then it got a Grammy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's not in our hands. We're, we're just doing we're just <laughs> doing our job and whoever feels like oh, if this should be on it or not, this is not in our hands. <laughs> yeah. So how did you feel when you found out that it was nominated for a Grammy? Uh, I mean, look, um, to be very honest, I, 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 I just knew already before that this is a very special song. And also to get nominated for a Grammy is a nice feeling, but it 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 is so much later than you actually write the song. Like I I was really happy to to get to get recognized, but it wasn't like um, like I mean I knew already we had something special before. If I even if I didn't get nominated for a Grammy, even if this was not a song or an LP which would have won. Um, I was so excited for the whole experience with Busby because Busby was one of the yeah of the best collaborators I ever had in my life, and I'm so bummed that he passed away a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. well, I think you have a really great mindset and approach with the whole thing that songwriters don't write music for awards. That's something that can come after. That's an amazing accomplishment and recognition. But it's really great that you recognize this was a special song and then seeing it go on to be so successful must have felt amazing. But in the moment, you knew it was something special. You you hit it exactly on the nail. That's that's exactly how I felt. Like I was this this whole writing experience was actually to you know, it was so healing for me to cope with the whole situation because for other people, the song is called Dark Side. For me, it's a song about my ex-girlfriend. It's a very, very personal song. And and I was also scared to, to be honest, to to let all these, there are so many real emotions of of what I was feeling in that time. And every time I hear that song, I, I you know, I, I have good memories of that relationship yeah. but i i also see that part of the relationship which was not the brightest moment we yeah. had so um so it's both uh, but but like you you really said it perfectly like i'm i'm happy for the recognition and but uh, i'm i'm never writing i'm never writing songs to 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 get awarded or or, or yeah so yeah awesome <laughs> Well, you also have quite a few theme songs running, so I'm super interested to hear how you go about writing a theme song. You know, this is a very interesting question because, you know, I'm, I'm working a lot in uh, children's animation. I'm scoring shows. I'm in some shows. I'm the episodic songwriter of a, 
of a show. In some in some shows, I just do the theme and not the scoring and not the episodic songwriting. So it's very, very. These are three very, very different jobs, and three different approaches. When you when you talk about the theme song of a show, it always needs to capture what the executive producers and the filmmakers and the showrunner actually want to you know want to want to say about the whole show it's always like a big thought um either it's the it's the name of the show has to be a part of it there are so many kind of rules uh which you can apply to that this the show's name has to be in it there has to be it has to be so accessible that you understand what the show is about in less than 30 seconds um it's really sometimes hard to still get a good song in and be hooky and get the right lyrics in in all this short time so it's always a big challenge that's super interesting do you have any favorite theme songs you've worked on as every show i'm working on is so different i can't say that that i have a favorite um a favorite song i was working on or a favorite theme song because you know what i love about our job so much is that it's so collaborative especially in the film and tv um uh, space everything is about collaboration songwriting is uh, collaboration score writing and um i feel like every project has has the potential to become a favorite project and when i'm working on it like in that moment, you, you're like always like super excited and you're just trying to get in the mindset of your collaborators and to really get something great together, which fits for them. I mean, they're working on the show already like four years before you even come in and pose. So um, I really love to incorporate uh, um, the ideas and the more collaborative the executive producers and showrunner are, the more fun I have doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes total sense. I think collaboration is really important. And it's really awesome that you've had such incredible experiences over the years in the songwriting space and pitching to hit recording artists and then also working for TV and film. So are there any kind of different approaches you take and different mindsets you have to put on when you're writing for a recording artist versus writing for TV and film? Yes, I think these are 100% different things. Um, just take the example that when an artist is coming to you into your studio and you're writing on their record, the first thing you want to you wanna know about is like, what does the artist want to write about? Like, what do they want? What, where are they at the point in their lives? Um, what, how should the next album turn out? Like, what do they want to say right now? Like, you're pouring your own heart and your soul into the mindset of the artist, right? And when you when you write for film and TV, there's already like a log line, there's already a script, there's possibly already a name of the project, and you try, you know, you try to fulfill the vision of uh, of the filmmakers. So both have in common. You you try to fulfill the vision of the filmmakers or the vision of the artist, but to jump into both of these. It's it's still very different because because um, there is a kind of a formula for for uh, writing for film and TV because you know there's always always a storyline but for the artist you have to write the storyline in the moment with the artist together. 
That is extremely fascinating. I think a lot of times, you know, with either one of these, like whether it's film and TV or writing for an artist, the composer or the songwriter, they really have to be super empathetic and very, you know, like taking a step back and taking yourself kind of out of the picture for a second and saying, okay, what do we have here? What are we working with? And then how can I write something to fit someone else's vision? And I think it takes a lot of skill to be able to do that and not just write what you want to write about. Yes, I agree. It's it's really, it's a different um, human skill. Like it's it's not necessarily about the skills of you as a songwriter. It's it's like you have to be super, like you said, empathetic and just listen and just maybe on the first day. I always try to book when I work with an artist. I always try to book like three or four days because in the first day you kind of meet you. You know, you just hang, you eat a piece of pizza, or you just like. Uh, get to know each other a little bit and you try something and then you get to know more about what the artist doesn't like than what the artist likes and then when you get to know each other a little bit better on the second day you know you're opening both up and saying hey look i was working yesterday evening when you were in your in the hotel room i was working on that idea how do you like it and sometimes you get a oh that's a cool thing how about you add this and this and uh, sometimes you also get nah that's exactly not what i wanted to do <laughs> so it's really it's really hard you really don't know it's, it's so much guessing involved yeah yeah, I really like how you brought up being a good listener, too. I think that's really important. And you're right. You're exactly right. How it's not necessarily a songwriting skill, but just a human skill, like being an active listener and just really taking in exactly what the other person's saying. Yeah, songwriting and collaboration is mostly about, like, in my opinion, 95% about listening and not about taking action. It's like, you know, collaborating means to listen what the other people the other people in the room or the other person in the room wants to say and just take that and mix it with your with your ability what you want to tell to the people or in the song it's really um that's why i love to collaborate you know i i'm not collaborating in my songwriting procedures with a lot of different people like the the people with whom i collaborate i collaborate since years and there's like maybe one person who came came along in the last two years with with who i you know do a lot of work but but uh, with them i just found a way to really listen to each other and to uh, be creative in a very different style than with anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of collaboration, I'm sure over the years you've hit some roadblocks. Not every collaboration is going to go well. So what are some of your biggest tips for overcoming difficult collaborations that seem to just fall apart? I have a great tip for that. because <laughs> uh, no, no, you're a songwriter yourself. You know exactly how it feels when you have a great collaboration, but you also know exactly how it feels when it does go wrong so much. Like <laughs> if a publisher gets you the wrong person in, or if you are maybe just like feeling right away, you're the wrong person. So I feel that right away to be like, I don't know how about others, but with me, I feel it right away. I'm wrong in the room. Uh, I don't have the vibe. I um, I don't feel the vibe of this person. I don't like that this person um, is the whole time on their cell phone or, you know, whatever I may not like, it doesn't matter. But if I feel something like that, I just finish the session right away in this moment because we all don't want to waste time. I, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I'm saying, you know what? I, I always put it on me. I say, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm a little bit under the weather. <laughs> I just don't know. It just came up. I just say something 
easy so we can have a reason to really finish the session as soon as possible because um you know we all we all have families we all have friends and we all have people you know occasions where we have to be like i rather am you know sticking sticking with my family than to do a session which uh, doesn't bring me any great song or any you know any other advantages it's, it's <laughs> just <laughs> sometimes sometimes um Sometimes you got to get out as fast as possible. And that's, <laughs> that's the way I do it. <laughs> no, I think it's really great because I feel like I'm such a nice person that I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yes. But at the same time, like, I'm really good at picking up vibes too. And I think that's a really good quality for a songwriter. Like, if you notice the vibes are off, like, you don't want. And the other thing too is, like, you don't want to jeopardize your reputation or anything if there's just something yeah. shady going on either. So it's, it's always difficult for me. But that's a really great suggestion to not necessarily like say something rude to the person but put on you like i don't feel good i think we should stop <laughs> yeah you know i i did sometimes sometimes um I, i was with one with a with two djs in the room and with a top liner and they had like i was coming too late to that session and so they were already going on something really great and um then they wanted to hear my ideas but i was like I was just listening to what they already had. And I was said, I said to them, guys, to be very honest, I'm just not needed here because you already have something great. Like, let's, you know, just let's not split the song four ways. Just let, let me just get out of here. And I said it, of course, in a very, you know, nice tone. That was also an option just to say, hey, what, what should I do here? Um, um, especially, especially when, when, Every everything what is needed for a song is already in the room. There was a great lyricist and the top liner. There were like two DJs who did a cool track. I mean, you know, I stopped a couple of years doing um, doing sessions with more than uh, two people in the room because I just personally don't like it and I don't see the necessity of of this at all. And um, even even with the bigger, that's why I also don't go on song camps anymore because. Um, I felt like they were overcrowded, like the ones I, I was at big, big songwriting camps and they were like all overcrowded. And they said, hey, we have another person coming in. Yo, that's like that person coming from that camp. And she's amazing. And and, you know, it can be I worked with great people together. But um, to be very honest, you're not you're not you're not writing a song with, with six incredible people in the room. You're writing an incredible song with one or two people in the room. Oh my goodness, I'm resonating so much with what you're saying because during COVID, <laughs> I did a retreat and we did like co-writing over Zoom and uh -huh. there were like five of us and that would be hard even in person, but over Zoom when everybody's talking over each other, like I got super overwhelmed. The song wasn't getting anywhere. So yeah, I completely agree. Like one other person and three, I'm fine with three ways too, but any more than that, it just gets really overwhelming. And I don't really think it's necessary. That's why it's so wild to me. Like there are a lot of songs, like pop songs especially that have been released lately where I just like look at the song credits because I'm always interested on in, like who wrote them. And there's like eight, nine, ten co-writers and i'm like what is happening here <laughs> i mean i mean okay but that that's a different situation that's that's always starting with two or three people in the room and then it gets to the record label and they say hey 
we feel like we have like a writing team which are really great can you give the song to them and then they work on it and then the artist actually when she wrote on that she had already her two guys with her so that's why they end up all like with 10 people on the song yeah i i personally i mean you know we, we also got to be careful because everybody's saying how cool that is to be on a on a billion dollar song and i'm i'm don't misunderstand me. I, I would love that and I would love to have a billion billion dollar streaming song. But um, uh, the reality is uh, this doesn't buy you half a beer. And um, this is a reality nobody talks about. Like when they have like 10 people, then they're sharing all the, all the money with 10 people and the publishers oh, of right. the 10 people. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And this... This is this is just really happening. This is this is not a uh, not a fake thing. They 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 really have to split all the money. And when you want to build something, when you want to build legacy, when you want to build for your family, for your life, this is definitely not the way to go. How a songwriter can actually live. This is a very like a very few, maybe like one or two percent um, can live from that. And they're, and I'm sure they're all super, super happy, but the most people can't live from that. Yeah, no, that's a really great point as well. And I think too, like, I don't know how often this occurs, but just people trying to get a cut on a song, even if they wrote like one lyric and it's a hit song, they want their name on it. And this is like not super unrelated, but similar. Like when the song, uh, when the show Songland was on TV, I love that show. Uh But the one thing about it that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way was the, when you look at the song credits on there, like a bunch of people were getting credit for the song that the initial songwriter pitched. And oftentimes it was a completely different song. And I just feel like in instances like that, like I don't think the main songwriter was respected as well as they could have been. I don't know. It's just there's so many things going on, especially in the songwriting space. That's like iffy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I love to keep it simple. I also... I also never, you know, I feel like it, it a measurement of what you contributed to the song should never reflect in the percentage, right. to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really don't like these sessions where people say, hey, but you and I just wrote the chorus and the person who was sitting in the back and saying, yeah, I like it doesn't get any right. uh, d- does get an equal share i don't like it no <laughs> i personally don't like these people because um sometimes in the right moment when two people vibe together and the third pe- the third person in the room says just you know what i really love it that's as much songwriting and uh, that's as good as it gets because it's great somebody affirms what you do, this is in the because this person is in the room with you, and you know in the next session you have the same people, and this person actually initially initiates an idea, and you're the one who's saying, "Oh, I really like it." <laughs> you know, it's like I feel like when three people are writing a song, then then they should get paid equally for that. Yeah, yeah, I know this what thing drives me nuts too, but. It's interesting to hear somebody who's super established sharing thoughts on this, too, because it's definitely a situation that everybody faces no matter what stage they're at. And I think that's really interesting to know. 100%. Totally. Yeah. So something else I wanted to hear about, which is super fun, is one of your songs was featured during Disney's fireworks show, which is super cool. So can you share that? Yeah. Yeah. um, 
No, I, I got a pitch for um, for Walt Disney Imagineering. They were looking for a song for uh, for their new firework work show, um, Wondrous Journeys, and uh, my uh, one of my best friends and uh, my my actually my studio partner Daddy Brown and I, uh, we decided to write that song like right for that pitch, and we there were a lot of people who were pitching for this, and we were so lucky that we won. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's so cool. It's really interesting, too, yeah. because you've had your music featured by major recording artists and TV and film, Disney's fireworks shows here in a lot of different spaces, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, 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 I to be honest, I didn't look for it, you know? Like, I didn't, <laughs> like, I, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I want to write for, for this occasion or for this occasion. <laughs> no, it I, it just happened to be that um, my great friend Trisha Holloway she was like an executive at um, the head of music at Nickelodeon and we we knew each other for for already such a long time and she's such a supporter and such a great uh, music executive out there there are not many incredible people out there i think but she's definitely one of the one of the highest and best i ever met in my life and she actually called me and said, hey, I want you to pitch for this because I feel like you could nail this. And this is always so nice and encouraging when somebody with whom you already have a relationship uh, actually calls you. I mean, they can't give you a job still because, you know, they because they're a big company, they have to do pitches. They have to go out to many people. It's a, it's a big thing. There are many deciders. But it's just so encouraging when somebody calls you who you really love and says, hey, pitch for me i think this could be something for you and uh, that's how it all started and um yeah yeah well that's fabulous so over the years aside from the highlights that we touched on during our chat do you have any other favorite moments that you've had through all the songwriting and composing you know my favorite moments are always connected to um to the people I was working with. So one of the one of the favorite moments I had, I was writing in 2016 um, the end title credit song for Ice Age Five, which is called My Superstar, which Jesse J sang. I love her. And, oh my goodness. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> my co-writing partner on this song was uh, was a woman I'm working with since since uh, since I'm here in LA, Nikki Leonti, now Nikki Edgar. She's like a fantastic songwriter and an equally fantastic singer so when we did when we recorded the demo with nikki's voice um everybody flipped out like i was like how is jesse to top that incredible vocal <laughs> and and um I, what was so great when we started to record it jesse with the execs um of 20th Century Fox, which were in my studio at that time and uh, jesse was on a kind of an, on a zoom in um in back in England and she just started to sing sing those lines and she was just following um Nikki's Nikki's lines and she, she was just saying hey this is so good I just love love how it's written and of course she gave her little flourishes and made it to the performance which is now but um I was just like so happy that we were able to do a demo which the artist completely connected with and loved you know sometimes when you write right on spec for for a film situation you don't even know if the artist wants to record it or what the artist feel but just to to connect with jesse and just see how she really loved this song and she really loved to sing it because the demo was already so good 
that was like definitely one of my career highlights. That's amazing. Well, I think something great about you that I've noticed throughout the chat is you're very people oriented, and it's not necessarily about the success that comes afterward, but it's you know co-writing with BuzzFeed and this experience with Jesse and all the other curators you've worked with, being in the moment and really appreciating the human connection and all of those experiences. And I think that's really great that your mindset is definitely in the right place. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. But you know, like this is this is the only thing. Um, songwriting doesn't come like from from songwriting songwriting comes from your life experiences and what you do in life and what you bring into the room and what you share with your songwriting partners so so i i can always recommend to anybody like have a great life you know like live your life with your friends uh, have um uh, get rid of all the toxic people in your life <laughs> or like leave just one for 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 sad love songs that's yeah. okay but <laughs> but just try to you know just try to equally be be in your life too and not only in your songwriting room <laughs> yeah no yeah. i love that i love that so much that was one thing like during covid when i was not living yes. at all i was like what am i supposed to write about Same. oh my god <laughs> that was so hard that was so tough like uh covid was for me so so hard i i mean i have teenage daughters my my daughters are like 17 and 15 my older daughter josephine she's like an aspiring songwriter herself she's like badass and uh she's a better songwriter than i ever was in my life and uh of course she also has a way better voice than i do but um (laughs) it it was it was so fun like you know it was it was fun that we actually were able to do something out of the pandemic and really kind of enjoy it but when 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 i look back what we were actually doing i feel like it was such a big blur and, and and it's actually so sad <laughs> that, that people who love people couldn't couldn't come together. It was terrible. Like, yeah. I, writing over Zoom, you know, I, I never had so many songs with syncopated melodies because <laughs> of the delays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, to end on a happy note, uh, what advice do you have for any songwriters from the craft standpoint? Um, I sometimes... Yeah, I'm very sensitive myself to uh, to the songwriting police. You know, like these are the songwriting police. I call people who are telling me in the room what to do and what not to do. So, for example, like um, you know, I'm playing I'm playing chord on my piano. I'm playing a C major, and then I'm going to an A minor chord after that. And then there are like the songwriting police, which go like, "Hey, you can't do that." You can't, that, that's absolutely, there's so many people who are doing this. This is so uh, not unique and this is so, uh, um, and I'm saying, you know what? I can do that so much and what I'm doing after the A minor, I'm going straight on an F major and then I, res- <laughs> and then I resolve with a G7. Yeah. Dang. I feel like... Um, <laughs> People who are trying to, like, don't listen to people who are trying to belittle you in your creativity, even if you like the the full Max Martinism and, and write chords, which are so simple to understand. Pop music means it's pop, popular music. That means it must be pleasing in some way, even if it comes out of indie independent and uh, different vibes and different influences in the end we're we're doing music which you know 
which people need to connect with and how how do people connect with your music if you make it accessible for them so i think one of the craft moments i say to myself like whatever i want to write write about i always want that people can connect to it that's one of my biggest uh, biggest things i would say for younger songwriters just go just try to connect with other people like you tried in your lives too <laughs> yeah no i really like that advice because i feel like i've had many experiences in like songwriting courses where mentors who are actually like successful songwriters telling me that i couldn't do something that yeah. wasn't necessarily like wrong it was just it was a personal preference kind of thing yes and i feel like uh, there's a lot of instances I've, ex i've experienced where instead of somebody looking at me and you know other songwriters in the program as a way to help us you know meet us where we're at and help us grow in our individual ways they were kind of forcing their own opinions onto us and i found that extremely like damaging too and you know like from like a classical background i know like that there are a lot of roles in classical music and so when i started writing songs i was like oh, i can't go to this chord because you can't do that in classical music but then it's like exactly. oh wait no i'm not writing classical music so yeah i completely agree that it's like making sure it's connectable and meaningful and there's emotion in it and not necessarily going strictly to roles because there are things that we can do as songwriters to make things pleasing to the ear and make things successful but there aren't necessarily strict roles we have to stick to exactly and and also you know people are talking a lot of like from demos like whatever that word means i don't even know this word like this is like from people who are born in 60s or 70s i don't know it's it's like something which doesn't exist in our songwriting world anymore like we there is no demo demo which we can do like this, this this is like in former times this is like record vinyls we produce and we write records because um no executive can read a demo like the most people need a production need a great sounding record to actually understand what this is about even if it's not the right right artist on it yet and maybe it's your demo singer that's fine but just like try to always get the best possible singers the best possible um, recording situation, the best possible mix, the best possible arrangements. That's what I'm trying to challenge my, myself every day. And Fabulous. Well, Alex, it was awesome having you on this show. Can you share with everybody where they can find you online and check out all that you do? Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram, just at Alex Garing is my name. You can find me on Facebook, also my name. Um, you can check out my studios on Insta. It's uh, at Lexland Studios. And um, check my show uh, on Warner Brothers NDC Bat Wheels. It's a Batman show, which I really love. Um, uh, it's on Max and Cartoonito. I have currently um, check uh, maybe Fast and Furious Spy Racers. That's uh, that's a theme song, which I have all over the show on Netflix. Um, check my Disney Plus movie um, Under Wraps 2, where I have a song which is considered uh, for the Cafe Awards, um, My Kind of Monster, which I did with my friend Alex Zam, who directed this movie. Yeah, it's a couple of my projects. Fabulous. Well, it's awesome having you on the show. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Alex Geringas. And of course, until next time, stay, stay right, right on, on track. track.